This is the DFW Experts Corner. We take you into the world of Dallas-Fort Worth's most knowledgeable professionals. From legal to health, from home improvement to financial, we cover it all. Now, here's your host, Kevin Ebelin. Good morning and welcome back to the DFW Experts Corner on On Air Live streaming at watchonairlive.com. You can also take us with you on the On Air Live mobile app. You can also find us on Facebook and iTunes as well. Every Tuesday at 11, we cover everything from legal, health, home improvement, financial. We have DFW's premier employment law attorney in studio today, longtime friend of the show, Rod Tanner. Always good to have you here, sir. Hey, Kevin. Good to be back. And uh, today, you know, we had to switch things up a little bit. It's not exactly what we had planned on talking about today, but just because it's such a pertinent issue, uh, hot off the presses, so to speak. I don't even know if people use that uh, that term anymore, but, it, you know, it is something that just kind of came to light yesterday. Um, but, but before we get to that, uh, let everybody know a little bit of background on you, how long you've been practicing, uh, how you got into employment law, and then we'll talk about the uh, topic du jour. Well, Kevin, actually, I graduated from law school in 1976. I've been practicing labor and employment law uh, since 1978, most of my career. Um, my uh, firm's offices are based in Fort Worth, but we have a uh, nationwide labor law practice and a statewide employment law practice. So you're all over the place. Well, <laughs> I guess so to speak. That's true. And when it comes to practicing law, was employment always your, your first and only love, or were there other areas you explored first? Oh, labor and employment law has always been uh, my passion, uh, representing labor organizations and employees primarily uh, throughout my career. Now, can you let our listeners know what exactly happened yesterday that's going to affect the, I believe it's the national... Uh, well, Fair Labor Standards Act? Exactly. I can, well, remember the, I can always remember the acronym. I can't remember the full uh, meaning. There have been a number of developments in the past few weeks that uh, will affect literally millions of employees under the Fair Labor Standards Act. And just yesterday, the Trump administration froze uh, all new Department of Labor regulations, including a new overtime rule, which we'll discuss uh, later in some detail. Overtime definitely is something that's on a lot of people's minds when it comes to... Absolutely, yeah. and this literally was a development that occurred yesterday. Okay, well, let's uh, let's just go ahead and start with um, the employee-employer. Uh, what is an employer requ- uh, required to pay an employee premium pay when it comes to overtime work? Well, the statute, as we mentioned, is the Fair Labor Standards Act. It's uh, commonly referred to as the FLSA. And under that law, an employer who either requires or permits an employee to work more than 40 hours in a work week is generally required to pay the employee not less than time and one-half their regular rate of pay for any hours exceeding 40 in that week. And this applies to most employees throughout the country unless they are expressly exempted under the law. So for laymans like myself, no matter what, if an employee is working more than their allotted time, what would, anything that would be considered overtime, any employer is required to pay them a, a different rate than what you're normally making. Uh, yes, time and one half, unless uh, the employees are uh, exempt under the law. Okay. Um, and what, what kind of exemptions would there be there? Well, there could be a number of different uh, exemptions. Um, The FLSA provides an uh, exemption from its overtime pay requirement and minimum wage requirements 
for employees who qualify as executive, administrative, professional, and outside sales employees. It also exempts certain computer employees. Uh, additionally, the Act's requirements generally do not apply to workers who are classified as independent contractors and therefore are not regarded right, as right. regular employees. And so, I mean, does this apply to, say, you're part-time and you're limited to 29 hours and you end up working 40 hours? Does that additional uh, 11 hours there, I mean, they're required to pay you time and a half? No. No, that would be straight time in most circumstances. It applies to employees who are required to work in excess of 40 in a given work week. So what's considered, you know, the minimum for a full, full-time full week? Well, yes, it'd be 40. 40, got the, right. pr- pretty much the standard. Right. Um, so as a rule, are employees covered by the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act? Are they entitled uh, to time and a half pay when they work, say, over the weekend or a holiday, something like that? Well, let me give you a lawyer-like answer. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I know there's always a lot of gray area. They're not necessarily covered just simply because they work on a weekend or a holiday. The statute does not automatically require overtime pay for work on Saturdays, Sundays, holidays, or um, night shifts even. Uh, the requirement to pay overtime is based strictly on the hours worked during the work week, and overtime would be required for any hours exceeding 40. So this is one of those things that is not black and white. It just kind of depends. It, it does, and we'll, we'll talk about how the work week is calculated if you want to, because that's, I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. So one question that I get in my practice is, is a work week necessarily a Sunday through a Saturday? And the answer is no. And I think most people would make that assumption. Yeah, it's it's it seems to be, um, you know, that's the regular work week for many in many industries and for many employers. But there's actually no requirement under federal law that an employer's work week correspond with a calendar week. It only must be a fixed and regularly recurring period of 168 hours, or seven consecutive 24-hour periods. So an employer is actually free to establish the work week as starting at any day of the week and any time of the day, and different work weeks actually can be established for different employees or different groups of employees by the same employer. So um, say an employer, if they wanted to consider their work week Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. and then you had to work a shift on a Saturday or Sunday, in that situation, would you be entitled to overtime pay? Uh, again, no. Probably, I mean, if the if the work week is variable, they would not be entitled to overtime unless they worked more than forty hours in whatever work week was set by the employer. And this is probably something. I mean, a lot of employees don't think is fair when it comes to the Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, right. You know, b- because if it's declared Monday through Friday, you would think that that would right. be would be additional pay. Right. And I sh- also should point out that if you're an employee represented by a labor organization. Um, you know, the overtime criteria could be altered or expanded by a collective bargaining agreement. For example, a number of my union clients have um, uh, collective bargaining agreements or contracts with the employer um, for a particular unit of employees they represent where overtime is actually defined by contract as anything exceeding eight hours in a workday. Right. So if they work more than eight hours, they get overtime, even if they end up working fewer than 40 for fewer the than, entire week. Okay, wow. But that's, uh, that's you know, set by contract. Um, generally speaking, a labor contract might expand a right to overtime, but it cannot 
um, you know, take away from the right to overtime under the law. Right. And uh, we only have about a minute left until we have to go to break. But before we go, I want to squeeze in one more if we can. Because, uh, I mean, the FLSA does not necessarily apply to everybody. There are employees that are exempt from the FLSA, correct? Right. There are those classifications of employees that we discussed earlier, like um, certain computer employees, um, and uh, those employees who were defined under the law as being executive, administrative, or professional. And it also excludes outside sales employees. Okay, and those are the ones where I, we basically covered that earlier, talking right. about when we when we hit on the overtime. Right. Um, so I'm kind of curious what's necessary for an employee to be classified as exempt, but we do have to take a, a real quick break, guys. So we'll get to that when we get back. Sure. You are listening to the DFW Experts Corner with Rod Tanner, and we'll be right back after this on Honor Live. More of the DFW Experts Corner is next on On Air Live. You're listening to the DFW Experts Corner on On Air Live. All right. You are listening to the DFW Experts Corner on On Air Live. We are streaming at watchonairlive.com. You can also grab us on the On Air Live mobile app available in the App Store. You can also find us on iTunes, Facebook, pretty much all over the place. There's any number of ways to digest our content. We'll throw some stuff up on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Kevin Ebeling, and today we're discussing employment law. We have DFW's top employment lawyer in studio today, Mr. Rod Tanner, and he is not limited to the state of Texas. I mean, you you pretty much stay around here, but your practice is is everywhere. Uh, Labor law practices... uh Nationwide. Yes, yes. nationwide. Um, so today we're talking about the FLSA, which is the Fair Labor Standards Act. We're going to be talking about some changes as well that have occurred recently with the Trump administration. But before we went to break, we wanted to uh, discuss what's necessary for an employee to be exempt from the FLSA. And I think we're going to jump into a little bit of that right now. Yeah, this is a critical area, Kevin. Um, you know, an employer is required to pay overtime to employees who are classified as non-exempt. So exempt employees are those who the employer does not have to pay overtime to. And the law sets out standards to determine whether an employee should be classified as exempt under its various uh, exceptions. To be exempt, the employees must meet certain tests uh, regarding their job duties. And really, the types of duties they perform is, is critically important. But for example, to be classified as an exempt administrative employee, That employee must meet a minimum salary requirement. His or her primary duties must be the performance of office or non-manual work directly related to the management or general business operations of the employer or its customers. And his or her primary duty must include the exercise of discretion and independent judgment with respect to important matters. So in order to fall under any of these exemptions, an employee must be paid on a salary basis and receive at least $455 per week, or $23,660 per year. This is the salary threshold that's in place under the current law. Um, On May 18, 2016, the U.S. Department of Labor adopted a new overtime rule, which would dramatically alter this threshold 
if it goes into effect, which is now pretty questionable. Uh, so before we get to the new rule, I just want to ask them. Um, so it, it is not possible for, say, a hourly employee or maybe even a, uh, you know, like a 1099 private contract employee to fall under any of these exemptions? Well, a contractor would be exempt um, by operation of law, would never be entitled to overtime right. as an independent contractor. An hourly rated employee uh, would not under most circumstances, you're looking at basically a salary basis test, which would apply to the executive, administrative, and professional exemptions. Right. Okay. Uh, makes perfect sense. Um, so uh, about the Department of Labor's new rule, I mean, how is that going to change the overtime standards? Well, this is what this is the development that occurred yesterday. Um, the Under the Obama administration last May, the Department of Labor um, – proposed a new or implemented a new rule that would have changed the overtime salary threshold tremendously. The most significant change in the new rule is that the salary threshold would be raised from $455 per week to $913 per week. This would more than double the the previous or current salary threshold, and it meant that anyone who earned $47,476 or less per year could qualify um, under the salary basis test. And that seems like a pretty drastic change. Uh, Yes. It it would have affected, increased the right to overtime pay for literally millions of employees throughout the country who are paid on a salary basis. So any employee under that new threshold must be paid for any overtime he or she works without regard to her job duties. And... uh, in addition to increasing the salary threshold, the new rule would have guaranteed that the threshold would continue to keep up with the rate of inflation. Um, so it was going to be a very significant change under the law. Okay, so now we have um, you know, the new rule, and how is this going to affect workers across the country as a whole? It could have potentially affected a huge portion of the American workforce. Huge. So, in fact, uh, one think tank, known as the Economic Policy Institute, estimated that 12.5 million workers would have immediately become eligible for overtime pay as soon as the the new rule went into effect. The White House had stated uh, that the new rule is expected to boost wages for American workers by $12 billion over the next 10 years. So it would have had a huge impact impact, uh, if it went into effect. So uh, when will the new rule go into effect? Well, there's the rub. Yeah. <laughs> it was set to take effect December 1, 2016, right. under the uh, Department of Labor, um, and, you know, in the Obama administration. Uh, but there have been two, two developments, though. A few weeks ago, a federal judge in Texas entered a preliminary injunction prohibiting the Department of Labor from implementing and enforcing the rule while the matter, you know, winds its way through the courts and is litigated, uh, that lawsuit was brought by a number of business groups who opposed the uh, increase in the salary threshold for overtime. And at some point, a court may enter a permanent injunction. And then just yesterday, the Trump administration froze all new Department of Labor regulations, including the overtime pay regulation and now, frankly, it looks doubtful that that new rule will ever go into effect. So just out of curiosity, I know we don't get too opinionated on the show, but I want to ask, you know, as an expert, do you think that this new rule is good or bad for labor and employment? 
Well, I have a point of view that obviously favors uh, employees, generally, of in course. my practice. And looking at it from the perspective of labor organizations and employees and employee rights, I was in favor of the new rule. I do think that uh, the overtime rule currently is uh, too narrow and that uh, there should be a greater number of employees who are eligible for overtime pay. Now, that's a personal opinion. Sure. You, you, I mean, do you still think there's a chance that this could be reevaluated by the Trump administration and it could still take effect? The Trump administration and the Chamber of Commerce oppose the new rule, and so I doubt that it will ever go into effect. And do you think that um, – I mean, are there any types of employees who can never fall under these FLSA exemptions? Well, you know – the, uh, the FLSA's exemptions apply only to white-collar employees who meet the salary and job duty requirements. And other specific parameters that uh, distinguish or determine a white-collar employee versus blue? There are. The, the rules, the exemptions do not apply to, to so-called blue-collar workers who perform work involving repetitive operations with their hands, uh, who have physical skills and, and, and energy. Uh, the exemptions also can never apply to police officers, uh, firefighters, paramedics, and other first responders. Those employees will always be covered uh, by the overtime provisions of the Act, although they have necessarily um, special types of overtime rules. And that's probably something that will never change. I mean, no, I think the overtime rules will always apply to first responders. Uh, I, I think there's widespread support. Um, among both Republicans and Democrats for that uh, that type of coverage. Uh, and just one, I want to touch back to this real quick. I think we pretty much covered it. But say, for example, am I exempt from FLSA coverage as a rule because of, you know if you're paid a salary rather than an hourly basis? No. No, as long as you're not specifically exempted from the overtime coverage, it doesn't matter whether you're paid hour, hourly or salary. Okay. Overtime rates can be calculated for salaried employees by dividing their weekly salary by the number of hours worked that week, then paying time in one half for all hours over 40. Now, when it comes to job titles, that's something that's very circumstantial and I would think differs a lot between different companies and businesses. So does a job title have anything to do with an exemption? Uh, And a job title does not determine an employee's status uh, under the FLSA, does not determine their right to a minimum wage or their right to overtime pay. Just because an employer calls an employee an administrator or an employee works in a field that's often referred to as as professional, um, the employee will only fall under those exemptions if he or she meets the legal requirements for salary and job duties. So even if the job offer specifically states that you're an independent contractor and not an employee, that is not determinative of your status. It's actually what the employee does on a day-to-day basis, uh, the amount of salary or hourly income they receive, and the job duties they actually perform. Well, we have to take a real quick break, but when we come back, I wanted to talk about if an employer improperly classifies you and how that affects your exemptions. We'll be right back on the DFW Experts Corner with Rod Tanner on On Air Live. More of the DFW Experts Corner is next on On Air Live. You're tuned in to the DFW Experts Corner. 
This is the DFW Experts Corner on On Air Live, streaming at watchonairlive.com. I'm your host, Kevin Ebeling, and we have labor and employment expert Rod Tanner in studio with us today, talking anything and everything, Fair Labor Standards Acts, exemptions, anything you could possibly think of. We're going to try to cover it all here in our last segment. My next question also relates to exemptions. And I was wondering what I could do if my employer improperly classified me as exempt from the FLSA and refuses to pay me overtime. Well, misclassification, unfortunately, is a serious and uh, widespread problem. Um, misclassification refers to improperly classifying an employee uh, as an independent contractor or as um, otherwise exempt from uh, the overtime protections. And so employees who are misclassified uh, may not receive overtime and medical leave and other crucial benefits and protections to which they're, they're entitled. So an employee who believes that uh, he has been misclassified or the employer is otherwise violating the law can file a complaint with a local um, wage and hour division office of the Department of Labor, which will gather information and investigate the, uh, the complaint. Um, and, of course, can also always consult with an employment attorney. Now, everybody also wants to protect their job, and they don't want to overstep, and people may be a little bit nervous to, it, because there could be a risk there. Is there any risk of being fired if I file a complaint or for misclassification or any other violation, for that matter? Well, I suppose there's always a risk that the employer might fire someone who complains, but uh, an employer cannot do that lawfully. Um the law prohibits employers from firing or in any way discriminating against employees for filing a complaint with the Department of Labor, uh, Wage and Hour Division, or otherwise um, opposing um, unlawful pay practices. The information that an employee provides uh, for a complaint to the Department of Labor is confidential. Uh, before filing a complaint, it may be useful to consult with an employment attorney who can help you determine whether you're covered or exempt under the FLSA and can assist you in the complaint process. Um, this is especially beneficial if the employer has misclassified uh, numerous employees, leading to an entire group of employees being denied their statutory rights. And in such a case, you know, a collective action could be taken to address the employer's violations of the act. And perhaps it may be determined that the employer is actually acting uh, properly. But it's entirely possible an employee could go their entire career being misclassified and just never know it. It is. It is possible, and it has happened. It is. Yeah, I've, it I mean, I figure it has to have happened. Um, it has. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about employment at will in the, our last couple of minutes here. And most employment relationships in the state of Texas are referred to as at-will employment. Can you tell our listeners what exactly at-will employment is? Well, in an at-will employment state such as Texas, the employer does not need good cause to fire an employee. Unless the employer's workers are unionized and have a collective bargaining agreement that protects them, or unless the uh, employee in question has a, an employment contract, uh, the employer can fire an employee at any time and for any reason, unless the reason is expressly prohibited under state or federal law. This means that an employee cannot sue um, the former employer for wrongful discharge, even if there was no real justification for the firing. At-will employment goes both ways, though, so the employee can also quit at any time for any reason without becoming liable for a breach of contract. 
and, and if I don't have a written contract that alters the at-will employment relationship, am I required to give notice when I, if I decide to leave? Uh, generally, there's no requirement under the law that any notice be given or that the employee provide any explanation or reason why he is uh, quitting or otherwise ending the employment relationship. Right. You know, there is a, a, a general view that at least two weeks' notice is, uh, is required, but that's merely a courtesy that employers might expect. That's just kind of urban myth that that's a requirement. It's, it's just, not it's a requirement. Courtesy. Or not a requirement, but, but uh, certainly you want to leave the employer on, uh, on good terms, right. and, and I think that's only reasonable to give the employer advance notice. It's always wise not to, to, to burn any bridges on your exactly. way out, so to speak. Exactly. You know, the employer should be treated with respect and courtesy uh, at all times. Yeah. I mean, in my last uh, job, I gave a, month, a month's notice because that's what they asked for, and I said, you know what? If that's what you, if that's what you need, sure. no, no problem. And I think that was a good call. <laughs> leave on good terms. Yeah. Uh, so we're just about out of time, but we can squeeze in one last question here before we go. Are there any exceptions to the employer's ability to fire its employees at any time under at-will employment? Well, it's often said that an employer can fire an employee um, under the at-will system for a good reason, bad reason, or no reason at all. Um, A little scary. Right, right. (laughs) But an employer cannot fire an employee for reasons that are prohibited under federal or state law. For example, um, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which prohibits termination um, if it's based on an employee's race, color, religion, gender, or national origin. Other federal statutes also protect employees from being terminated on prohibited factors such as age or disability. And state statutes such as the Texas Commission on Human Rights Act uh, provide similar protections. Well, I just want to say thanks so much, Rod, for coming in. You are always a wealth of information. And if you have any questions for the next time Rod is in here, you can go ahead and shoot us an email at dfwexpertscorner at gmail.com or visit us online at facebook.com slash dfwexpertscorner. You can also reach Rod off the air at rodtannerlaw.com or give him a call at 817-377-8833. That's 817-377-8833. Thanks so much for coming in, Rod. It is always a pleasure to Thank have you Thank you, Kevin. Always a pleasure. All right, and we'll see you next time on the DFW Experts Corner on On Air Live. <laughs>